This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash Living Proof New York. You are a tattooer amongst many other things. And um, one thing that I, I saw that you were talking about was the fact that the apprenticing process is pretty, can get cre- pretty crazy depending on the specific scenario. Talking about formal apprenticing and, for example, you were saying that if you, you're probably joking, but if you had apprentices like Tabasco sauce in the eyeballs, <laughs> eating raw potatoes with no condiments if they mess up, what yeah. was your uh, apprenticing experience like? Um, mine wasn't too, there wasn't too much hazing, I guess, in, in terms of my apprenticeship. I only had one kind of like weird like hazing experience where I had to like... I got tricked into going to this like fair. Do you, have you do you know the Big E? It's like a mass thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got tricked into going to the Big E, and I had to wear like a clown outfit with like a nose and like a skirt and all these things, and I had to like hand out business cards to people. That was the only like real hazing thing I had to do. But beyond that, it was more just like work in the shop, I guess, like mm-hmm. sweeping floors, organizing like appointments for people from people who are calling or coming in yeah cleaning all the stuff you know setting up people stations breaking them down setting up machines or whatever cleaning tubes so when you're apprenticing you start off just i know you're cleaning tubes shopkeeping and stuff like that when do you actually start doing tattoo style work well for me uh i kind of i feel like this is a common thing that happens to people where maybe they're apprenticing and then something happens in the shop that sort of leaves like an open space for someone who's needed Mm -hmm. to tattoo. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what happened to me after I was, it was maybe a a year, a little over a year, and uh, somebody left who used to take a lot of walk-ins and stuff at the shop and I was there. So I kind of just ended up like taking on a lot of stuff that I wasn't necessarily ready to do, I guess. Um, but that's just kind of how you learn too. It's just being forced into like situations that are difficult to to deal with. Yeah, it's, it seems like a, pren- an, a tattoo apprenticeship is it's kind of like a touchy subject if you ask a lot of um, like tattooers. They say because it seems the competition, especially in New York City, is so high because so many kids want to come out and start tattooing, and not everyone gets a chance. Obviously, is that true that you have to like know someone, or how does that even work? How do you really get into an apprenticeship or you have to have an amazing portfolio to the point where they can't even deny you yeah i mean i guess the best way is to know someone Mm -hmm. but these days i mean there's so many ways you know and i I guess the the traditional like idea is that you're supposed to apprentice and learn from somebody and there's like like this sort of like rite of passage thing Mm -hmm. that i used to kind of like really like the idea of and now I think it's kind of just like it's just an old concept and I think there's so Mm -hmm. many other ways to get into it like you can just start doing it yourself Uh and you Mm -hmm. can like take a different route than everybody else takes because the traditional way is really it's like it's pretty entitled it's pretty uh it's more geared towards like white males obviously it's like a white male dominated 
industry like most mm-hmm. things so if you're not a white dude it's like a lot harder to get into i think well yeah. the apprenticing thing does, did that came i don't i don't know nothing about this but did that come out of the fact that back in the days there was no like now i know you're, you have so much accessibility to so much knowledge so much someone could potentially teach themselves some of these techniques as opposed to then it's like you don't even know what, what needle size do i use what uh type of ink do i use what how you know you, you know you don't know you don't know anything yeah there is a lot to figure out on your own if that's mm-hmm. the route so i guess Nowadays, it's there's like so much access to all the information, mm. but a long time ago, you know, 80 years ago or something, people there was the only way to figure this stuff out was through the other people who already knew how to do it. So you had to communicate with those people, watch them, maybe get tattooed by them, mm. maybe like exchange, who knows, like photos, flash. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like similar to graffiti in the sense that I feel like. The people who write graffiti, there's a big emphasis on history and tradition. And the people, you really know, like, this person wrote here. They had this style. They had this spot. And then this person took it. And with tattooing, I know that the people who tattoo, at least the ones that I've talked to, they have a pretty deep understanding of the history that has come before them. What were the groundbreaking, peop- like, techniques that were made by certain people and all that type of shit. Yeah, it's, a, it's really the same. I mean, it's all built on the same, you know, the same, like, principles that graffiti is built on that like people still follow today that's how tattooing is mm-hmm. really too built you know people the styles and like the designs people pull from are all old and people have pulled from that stuff for i mean i don't know how long like you know over 80 years like maybe you know close to 100 yeah. years so there is, there is a hazing process though it depends i mean that's that's you know maybe the idea that some people have about it but i think that's also the problem with it too is that it shouldn't be so inaccessible for so many people and uh so yeah i mean to me that i would never really put somebody through that in a in a serious what fashion. about the potato yeah the potato <laughs> i don't know i don't remember exactly what i was thinking like when i said that stuff in that interview but yeah i don't I mean i would never like to me, that's not what's important, mm-hmm. like teaching someone to tattoo, I guess. Although yeah. those kinds of things definitely do make it more special, I think. Yeah, it can. Because and... it's not just, there. there is a barrier to entry. And it's not even just based off of skill, but also just based off of the, you could, in from one viewpoint, you could see like protecting the scene that you're in, the tradition, like you have mm-hmm. to earn your stripes to be here, you know. It makes the people who aren't in it, they're really in it. They didn't just hop in and hop out, they... It took them a while to not just learn the skill, but get approval from the people who are already have the skill. Yeah, you are right about that. I think that's that's the idea initially, but I think that can be done through other means. Mm-hmm. You know, just by like hard work and like putting people through more of those challenges and seeing how they mm-hmm. come out of that over time. Yeah, you talk about the the definition of form a formal apprenticeship. What exactly is that formal apprenticeship? Yeah, I think a lot of people consider that to be like what I was saying, maybe for like two years about. I think that's like a number that is thrown around that people like use as a as a base point. But maybe two years of just not tattooing at all, just learning about stuff, cleaning the shop, mm-hmm. doing all that type of stuff. You know, whatever like the shop help requirements are, that's the stuff you do. You don't get paid. That's another thing. So you're really you have to also be able to have another job and like support yourself somehow or have some other means of income. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a sense, that's like another limiting factor for a lot of people like learning how to tattoos. Mm. You need to be able to support yourself and like not make any money for potentially years. Yeah, years. And then if you're lucky enough, 
you start, you know, maybe you're doing tattoos on yourself, maybe you're doing it on some homies who are down, because at least in my case, homies are always down. And like for free tattoos, no one cares like yeah. what it looks like. They just want to get something for free. So it's easy to practice a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe you're doing that. And then at some point, whoever you're working for looks at your stuff and they're saying, okay, you could probably do some walk-ins, like regular people just coming in asking for stuff. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, maybe the simpler stuff, easier parts of the body, maybe you're doing that. And then that progresses. And then maybe you're doing like more complicated stuff. And when it comes to doing your own stuff, it sort of takes a while, I think, to build it up. And it's important to not like jump into that too fast Mm -hmm. and just learn how to do things like the right way. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you're saying that you have to. So how much time does it take up the formal apprenticeship? Because the apprenticeship, because if you can't have if you have to have a job on the side, is the apprenticeship more like like a kind of like a full time thing as well? Yeah. I mean, in my case, it was like all consuming. I worked, I think I I worked like three and a half days at the job. And then I, all the rest, like the half day I went to the shop and then all the other days I went to the shop too. And it really took all of my time and even time after work, like drawing, painting, doing all that stuff. And uh, I even remember like being bummed out a lot of times because you, you know, I was like early twenties when I was doing this. So kind of even miss out on like skating or doing stuff. Your homies are all meeting up, but I'm just like sitting at the shop again. And I'm just like, damn, like it was a kind of like a lot of shit like that. Um, So yeah, definitely like you have to have the time to put into it. It needs to be like, I mean, the more you put in, the more you get out of it. So if you're willing to put in that much time, you know, you get a lot more out of it. Of course. You got your apprenticeship at a place, the place that you were getting worked on. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it was a place that like, um, I started to like get tattooed at and then like hang out a lot and so I kind of like through those means like kind of worked my way into that mm-hmm. when did the idea of oh I'm going to do this as a, as a straight up career come into your mind because I know that you thought the ship had sailed because you were you were you weren't 17 learning from then on yeah. at what point were you like oh this is something that I'm going to straight up I'm going to do it yeah, I don't know. Like it's I can't remember exactly, but I just remember like slowly like when I, f- I first started getting tattooed, it wasn't something that I mean, I don't really know why I even started doing it, but I like it became like obsessive kind of. I would get tattooed mm-hmm. all the time. And then through doing that, you start meeting the people at the shop and hanging out and sort of having more of an understanding of their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that was like pretty attractive thing to me, especially just working like at a grocery store every day for years. I'm like, this sucks. These people are doing this with their mm-hmm. life and that's mm-hmm. really sick. But I didn't feel like it was something I could do. I didn't know how to like do it. Yeah. And I felt, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I felt like maybe that was something I would never do. And then I don't know, the more time I hung out and started like learning about old tattooers that people reference, mm-hmm. looking through like old books of Flash. And uh, eventually, like, someone else brought the idea up mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. In terms of um, the style that you chose to do, contemporary, traditional, like, what made you choose that out of all the styles that are out there in terms of tattooing, you know? Yeah, I don't know exactly. It, it was the style I was most attracted to. Mm-hmm. When I started getting tattooed, it took me a while to figure out that that's, like, what it was called or something. Okay. But I remember getting tattooed and all these tattoos that weren't exactly, like, what I wanted them to look like. 
and I saw a painting that this dude had in his station, and I was like, I want it to look like that. And he was like, oh, you want it to be traditional? And I was like, yeah, cool, traditional, that's what I want. So I don't know, I think just like the boldness and the simplicity, I, I really like just how you can like take a complex image and make it into a really simple, readable drawing. Yeah. And so I think that's like what draws me to that style mainly. Yeah, the history with traditional tattooing is amazing. And, um, you know, it goes back to like legends, you know, performing that style and people getting that it's like the most common one in tattooing nowadays like all the realism and all that would you say that's kind of newish things or because the the tools have changed and it's much easier now to make amazing portraits for example like when did that come about when people started really putting in different quality um things in in terms of like realism for example that type of stuff i want to say like in the 90s probably Mm -hmm. started coming about I don't know like too much but if you know from just looking at old magazines and stuff that's kind of when you see people who are doing that early on yeah and i mean that that's people can kind of make tattoos look like anything especially now it's pretty yeah. crazy people who are like really good painters and stuff like that just straight up for me though when i look at a tattoo if it's like too realistic i'm like what is this is it a photo yeah. like i'm not i feel like they're not supposed to i can't speak bro you can see me but you know, I feel like they're not supposed to look like a photo. It shouldn't look like that. It shouldn't be on your thigh. Yeah, you know what I mean? It should look like a tattoo. It's a stylistic choice for sure. And yeah, it's, it's all opinion. Yeah, some people, that's like what they relate to the most. There's, mm-hmm. You know, people are, they don't really know what to get. So that's something they are like, oh, you know, I always like this mm-hmm. dude or whatever. Or maybe a person mm-hmm. from their life or who knows, you know. Yeah. But yeah, everyone's like into different shit, you know. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, tattooing, you speak about how it's an avenue that you can use to live life on your own terms. You were working at a grocery shop and stuff like that before you started tattooing. What was your life, t- what was your life like before all of this? Before, I, you know, you lived in Western Mass. You didn't live in New York. You didn't work at Greenpoint. You didn't tattoo, or maybe you did, but how was it? Well, yeah, so my life before I tattooed was actually, like, really different. I played in bands I mainly like wanted to play in bands like I played drums and was in like you know a lot of just bands that we did like tours you know just like that was like hardcore bands not hardcore bands but just like because I saw you you chill you chilled with Andy Redbeards oh you know him I don't know him bro I loved swamps Swamps, yeah I loved swamps but like uh uh bed of thorns right that was that was their shit um seven sides i think it was the i haven't listened to them in a, in a minute but yeah dude i mean he's one of my best friends from growing up he skates and shit too yeah he skates like we skated together growing up and stuff and uh yeah he like he's it's too bad that swamps isn't still around because mm-hmm. he like fully just wanted to do that so bad like make a band and like be a sick front man and he mm-hmm. did and did he, like so much stuff toured like europe and all this stuff he like raps kind of too sometimes yeah, he yeah. like has this weird crazy demonic voice and shit yeah he's <laughs> dude he's been one of my best friends forever he's a crazy ass person yeah sick that's he's, awesome yeah but yeah so uh, talking about the your life and times before before tattooing before new york yeah so that's what i did like just my main mission was to always like go on tour and like plan tours so maybe a couple times a year we could and uh, did a, like a couple full U.S. tours and a lot of like East Coast tours and maybe Midwest, but it's really hard to coordinate that stuff with like other people who also like maybe aren't as interested in going or they have other stuff going on in their life. 
So once I like figured out that I could tattoo and then I could go on my own and just go anywhere I wanted and sort of support myself along the way, that was like the best like door opener for me. Mm. And uh, so that's like kind of the freedom that I'm talking about, I guess. How do you maintain that though? You know, you talk about how the, that's the cool part. The hard part is figuring out how to maintain this do what you want lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. How do you maintain it? I guess. I mean, I guess like the cool part about it to me or part of that was like the underground aspect of it, like traveling, you know, kind of like under the radar other places and being able to work like without work visas and stuff like that. And now because of, you know, all the technology, including social media and even just your phone, um, it makes that stuff a lot harder. So I guess maybe that's like... It makes it harder? Yeah. Well, to be able to travel without anyone figuring out that you're doing it when you're not supposed to be. So before that, how would people do it though? So isn't the point for people to figure it out so they bombard the shop? From a sense of like customs and like people at the airport and stuff like that. Mm. Because, you know, if you're going into a country, then they ask you, you know, what are you coming here to do? And you you, you can't say I'm coming here to tattoo because then you need a work visa or something. Mm. So then you have to, you know say that you're doing something else but maybe they see that you're covered in tattoos they look at what you're carrying in your bag then they google your name and you see they're working at the shop or something mm. so even you know if you have they'll, your, they'll do that for sure yeah. what mm-hmm. that's wild yeah for what bro you know it's just illegal you're I going mean, to tattoo you know like yeah but it's just the it's just a money thing it's like a tax thing you mm-hmm. know? so i mean depends on what country you're going into a lot of countries that are like typically hard is like Australia, the UK. Uh, most countries in Europe I found to be like pretty chill. Like if you have an American passport, they sort of just let you come in, which I think is also based on like that you're going to come and like spend money there and stuff too. So if you were to do it legally, if you legally saying that you get your work visa, you tell them the truth, yada yada, they tax you. They tax you for that. You'd have to go through that whole process. I mean, I never have done it, so I don't really know what it's like. But it's definitely not easy. Depending yeah. on what country you're going to. Mm. I mean, to get a work visa to come here, I know is like pretty difficult. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, so. Yeah. Okay, so then you, I know you, there was a point where you traveled to 55 fucking, 55 oh, yeah. flights in one yeah. year. Yeah, that was at the height of my like traveling phase that I had, I guess. What happened in, uh, so where was it that you, you lived in a warehouse with no, like no bathroom, no windows, no nothing. Just like essentially like a cinder block cube. Yeah, no, I had, we had windows, but in the room that I lived in, I didn't have a window. Where was that? That was in Holyoke, Mass. Oh, it was in Holyoke. I've been yeah. to like the Waterfront Tavern, yeah, it's uh, like, the CCC. Yeah, it's right down the street from there, pretty much. It's a pretty gnarly place to, to live in a warehouse at. Yeah, in, in our little zone, it was pretty mellow just because all the buildings were warehouses. They were all pretty much empty. And we weren't supposed to be living in there either. So we're the, pretty much the only people around all the time. Now it's a lot different. There's like a, more stuff going on around there. Why did you live there? I just had always wanted to. I, from when I was traveling around, I had stayed at some places that were like warehouse style living where people had built it out, you know, however they wanted and just did all sorts of crazy art in there and did like played in bands, recorded shit, had, you know, printed all their own shirts and, you know, everything like that. So I saw stuff like that and I thought that's what I wanted to do the most. So that's why we ended up living in, in this warehouse. Space. Did you? And it's kind of just like cheap too. How much was it? 
I was paying like less than $400 for rent at the time, which is why I could travel so much so easily. Oh, I thought it was an abandoned warehouse. I was going to ask you, did you have electricity? How did you set up all this art and these bands and stuff? If the, I mean, in our, uh, our warehouse was like, it wasn't even built out for, mm. I, I moved, because now it's, it's a lot different. It's sort of, I lived there at the beginning of when sort of like a bigger process than I was going to be a part of was happening sort of making all these changes there. But when we moved in, there used to be some other like factory type work going on in there. So the first, it was just a big open room pretty much, like 1500 square feet, just totally open. And the first night we slept in there on the floor on mattresses and it was in, it, and it was hot and we were like just sleeping there, kind of like sweating. And we woke up in the morning and there was like factory workers coming in to go to work just kind of walking by the room that we were in looking over and being confused they hadn't like totally moved out yet yeah. so yeah it was just an empty room they look kind of like a band space kind of location yeah, yeah. like the, you know the ones in mass where they'll just be banned like every single slot it's like a band space you can walk by yeah it's kind of like that was there there was regular heating or no yeah there was heating there was like you know some overhead like heating vent type thing tall ceilings in there but for the first like couple years we lived there, there was no walls or anything, just mattresses on the floor. And there was like four of us that lived there. So, you know, a few mattresses around, some couches mm -hmm. and stuff. And sometimes I would come home from a trip or something and have to like, figure out where my mattress was or something and dig it out of a closet or just like someone else is sleeping on it or something. How did you, how did you, sorry, how did you feel when you were doing that? Did you feel like, you know, it's like, there's like, there's this thought that if you have less things, you feel happier. How'd you feel seeing as you had like a solemn mattress and nothing else? It's kind of cool for a little while. Like talking about it now, it's like, yeah, that was kind of fun and yeah. everything. But I remember feeling at the time like I wanted a bit more consistency. And so even after like that year of traveling so much, that's kind of like the choice I made into like move here instead of like travel all the time and just kind of like mm -hmm. stay put more. When you traveled so much, was there a certain place that stuck out to you where you were like, I'm going to stay here. This is where I'm going to live now. I know you said seals. Yeah. yeah, I love I love Korea. Korea mm -hmm. is the best. One of the best places that I've been. Probably just like some of the coolest trips that I've ever had. Why is that? Here. Like the, the people, the hospitality or? The people and, you know, the food. And just like at, when I went there, yeah, I think the hospitality too, mm -hmm. the way everyone hangs out and sort of like, just likes to eat together, drink together. Yeah. And I mean, at the first times I went there, people like hung out every single day. Mm. The people at the shop would hang out and then more homies would come to the shop and then we'd all go get food, mm -hmm. drink all night pretty much. And you keep eating too, you don't ever stop eating. You kind of go to a restaurant, sit down, eat food there, mm -hmm. drink, go to another spot, eat some different food and you just keep doing that. And so, you know, it's, and a lot of nights I remember going back and my two homies would go to the shop. I was staying at a hotel close, like two blocks away. Mm -hmm. So they would kind of like go to the shop, keep drinking. I would go back to the hotel, pass out, and then I would get up in the morning and they'd just be passed out in the shop. Yeah. And How then we'd just like get up and work pretty much. How was the language barrier? Like in terms of the common shops, did people speak any type of English or was it just like sign language in a way? A lot of people, my, my friend Juan, who I went to visit there, he speaks pretty good English because he's also traveled around a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but not everybody. Like, I tattooed a lot of people, and still mm -hmm. even the last times I went, some people you tattoo don't speak any English. Mm -hmm. And some things, like, 
because I was with them, they took me around everywhere and, you know, ordered all the food. Mm. I didn't really have to figure too much out for myself. But, yeah, it's definitely would be difficult, I think, if you yeah. didn't have some help. That's what I'm saying, because it's a common theme. A lot of people say they travel to places and they say, oh, I would I would live there. It's amazing. But until they start working and really living there, they realize the little, you know, the troubles or like the um, the difficulties of living there in a way like did you feel that um, being an outsider in a way that the regular, the common people out there kind of had like a weird vibe towards that or they're pretty cool out there? Mm, like the, you know, just regular people who... Yeah, just like on the street or... Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm pretty tall and like covered in tattoos and mm. tattooing is illegal in Korea. Still, really? So that, that, when I first went there, it was probably like seven years ago or something. So it wasn't really as big as it is now. So yeah, being like tall white dude covered in tattoos you definitely kind of like stick out a lot to mm -hmm. people yeah you probably they were like, they probably look at you and they go this fool looks like satan bro yeah some, <laughs> some, some people are like freaked out or some people so are like hyped. the traditional yeah, or some, asian they're like yo yeah. what the fuck it's probably yeah, some movie yeah. star like fucking gentrifying the place or something <laughs> yes or they, or they just know you're american or something mm -hmm. and they just are like hyped about that yeah. oh sick, sick. Yeah. yeah so it's illegal there so you would go there to tattoo how would that work? Yeah, so I mean, I didn't know the first time I went that it was illegal beforehand, but it's not, since it is, I think it's almost easier to get in because they're not really even like, it's not on their radar at all. So, I mean, I just said like, yeah, I'm not tattooing or anything. I just so said, what about like, your, uh, your suitcase full of, full of tattoo shit? You kind of like travel, uh, at, you learn to like, there's certain things like you have, maybe your, your machines are pretty expensive. So, like, maybe one tattoo machine you have with you is, like, $500 at least, and it's, like, a small thing, you know? Mm. So maybe you have, like, two, or some people bring more, maybe four or something. And you don't want to put that in your check bag because something could happen to it. You could lose, like, that stuff. But also taking it in your carry-on is risky, too, because then you could get searched and someone could find it. So you got to, like, make that choice. Maybe you mail your shit first, mm. just machines or, like, other stuff like that. Put it in your check, just take that risk, and just don't have it on you, I guess. So you, are you going with the idea of, like, I should bring limited or hide it or put it here, limited limited amounts of technology? Yeah. I mean, the the longer that I've tattooed for, the less shit I've always brought with me. Maybe if, if, you're, if you're going to someone's shop, it's, like, a huge benefit because they have all the shit. And if it's your homie, they're probably down to let you borrow it. And so just bring, like, the minimal shit you can bring. That's the easiest way for me. Mm -hmm. But back at the time that I first went, I brought a lot of stuff with me because I didn't, I had never gone anywhere before. I hadn't gone to work at anyone else's shop before that. So what happens if they catch you tattooing? Um, if they find out, usually, like, if you get caught at the airport, they'll just send you back. Oh, that's not that bad. Yes, but if you flew, like, to Korea, or if you flew to Australia. Oh, if you get caught at the airport, they send you back. Yeah, you don't, they don't check you before you leave. You get checked when you come like when you arrive at the next place oh yeah so it you know you could get detained who that i mean that takes like a long time too you kind of get like questioned a lot you get interrogated pretty much and you're just sitting in a room you don't really know what's going to happen and at that point they if they decide you're not getting in then you're they're putting you on some flight that goes back to the country you came from not even necessarily the state that you came from right just like back into the country and then you got to fly yourself back from there but it, say that you're, I'm envisioning this weird scenario where like everyone's in a room tattooing and like tattoo vandal squad kicks down the door <laughs> and like, it's like, what happens if they catch you in the act or they catch you, you're already past the airport and they caught you. 
you'd have to be like some high profile dude or someone would have you'd have to be making like a good amount of money i think for them to come like search you out but mm -hmm. i have heard stories about like certain people who were really like heavy traveling dudes in these years where like the traveling was really good sort of like the beginning of instagram days mm. because at that time it was like pretty much made for tattooing it was the best and really it, yeah it was just the best i think and so people who were like big at that time and could take advantage of it could travel a lot and really even just like make a lot of money too and and some people i i heard different stories like i won't say specific names or anything but hear stories about like certain people got ratted on what because you know maybe if someone was salty they were coming in and like doing all these tattoos or whatever and then whatever people like come to the shop and then check everyone's like ids or papers or mm -hmm. whatever it is and then you get like i mean maybe you could be banned for like five to ten years it all depends or maybe That's you'll crazy. get a fine for like some money yeah so, so is there a culture over there is there like a tattoo scene a tattoo culture seeing is it illegal in korea yeah, there must be sure. no there must be no open shops it's kind of weird like my my homie's shop was more of a private studio you would have to you know it's appointment only and from the front they have like curtains over mm -hmm. didn't really say like tattoo or anything like that mm -hmm. but you do see like neon signs and stuff that just say like tattoo shop and it's street level so i don't really know i think it's more like people maybe aren't messing with you unless there's like complaints or something mm -hmm. i i hate to say exactly i don't really know yeah but I did also hear stories of because there was supply places over there, too, that obviously had to be like underground. So I remember going into somebody's apartment that was like a supply like place and we bought like needles or whatever we needed there. Mm -hmm. But I heard stories about that place getting raided and then getting the contacts of that place and then like raiding all those shops. And if they do, I guess I heard they just take everything that's mm. in there, everything, just machines, all the art on the wall, flash, just everything. They just take it. Were you ever were you ever not allowed into certain places over there because of your tattoos? I know in Japan they have signs where like no, on the forearms and gyms and stuff like that. If you're working out in a gym and someone sees shit, they're like, oh fuck, and they go that way because they think you're like yakuza or some stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't think it's this as like strict like that in Korea, but I remember going to like some bath spots, and uh, you know, if you like, maybe you get in the tub or whatever and then a couple other like older dudes get out or something like that but i don't know not super intense as i heard as i heard it was in other places mm -hmm. mm. so getting tattooed in korea is pretty much through word of mouth like the regular person doesn't really have tattoos walking around like mm -hmm. for example the youth here so if you see someone with a tattoo over there they've like 100 percent broken the law in a way yeah. and it's yeah. kind of just like if they're in that community, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, these days, like, it's probably a lot easier to figure it out mm. with Instagram and everything. You ever mm. thought about the fact that there's such a negative aspect of this in, in other countries, including America? It's such like a... You as someone who's heavily into it has gotten heavily tattooed and you've learned about the history. I'm sure you've learned about the history of different cultures. Like, just, just straight up, uh, like, like, native cultures that have been into this for so long. But they didn't see it in this way, but then our modern society does. You ever thought about that? I guess so, but I don't experience it too much, I think. I think being in New York helps a lot with that because it's pretty common here, I guess. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you go, like maybe some people think you're, you know, make assumptions on the type of person that you are based on how you look, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, me personally, I haven't experienced that too much. Why did you move to New York? How was that process like? I moved here to work pretty much at the shop that I work at, Greenpoint Tattoo. 
Um, I came, I had been tattooed there in the past. Like when I was living in Mass, I used to drive down here and get tattooed kind of frequently. Um, so I had been there to get tattooed, and then uh, actually my friend Juan, who I met in Korea that same year, he was coming to New York, and he was wondering where to work, so I told him, like, you should hit up those dudes at Greenpoint, go work there. So when he was in town, I just came down and, like, came to the shop just to say what up, and then I ended up meeting everybody there. After that, I just ended up going back to do guest spots a couple times here and there and just kind of hit it off with everybody that worked there, I guess. The guy, John, that owns the shop is also from Mass. Oh, so sick. I think he kind of like favored me in, in terms of that. But he eventually asked me if I wanted to work there, and I had all this plans of doing travel. So I told him like I wanted to, but I had all this travel I had to do. So at some point I started working just half the week there, like Saturday. Well, no, just weekends. I would drive down Saturday, work Saturday, Sunday, chill Monday, drive back to Mass on Tuesday. And then work well, the rest were, of the week. You were working in mass as a tattoo as a tattoo artist as well. Yeah. So you were working at two shops. Yeah. Is that frowned upon? I think just because it was so far away. Like I'm sure my I'm sure like they weren't super happy at the shop in mass that I was doing that. And in that situation, obviously you're probably not going to ever stop going to New York and just stay in mass. You'll mm-hmm. probably end up moving. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure like you know that they knew that was going to happen. But I had worked there for a long time and definitely like you know, worked, paid a lot of money from, like, to my boss for working there, you know. And that's where you apprenticed at? That's where I learned, too, yeah. yeah. You ever you ever still go back, you go back there and stuff? I know you were there during the quarantine. Yeah, I was there for a little bit. I didn't tattoo at all, obviously. Um, this guy that I met while working at that shop, he started working there. He was from Long Island, and we became pretty close. He's since opened up his own shop, so when I go back, I usually go to work with him. Mm-hmm. So how was your how was your time during the quarantine? I know you were, were you developing photos in your crib? Yeah. How, when did you learn to develop photos? Well, I did it briefly. Like I went to community college briefly, and uh, I ended up just randomly doing photo there. Not, I was trying to do printmaking, and they had like gotten rid of the class or whatever. So the guy that was setting up the thing. He was like, yeah, you could just do this photo class we have, too. So I started doing it. Really liked doing that stuff, like printing photos in the darkroom and stuff. Um, but after I had done it, like in school, I hadn't done it since then, but still continued shooting photos. So I had really wanted to do it for years. And I had some friends who had the stuff, and I knew that it was just in a closet, like in the warehouse, actually, where I used to live. So I just got that stuff when I went back, and I thought this is like, the best opportunity that I have to ever put some time into this. So you went to the warehouse that was closed and you took the shit? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't closed. <laughs> it was just like where they, some people still live there that I okay. know. And actually my younger brother has like a studio there. He does like ceramic stuff. So I would just go there with him, go into the closets. I went there a few different times. There's a lot of stuff and like I didn't really know exactly all I needed. So I was taking all this random stuff then like setting it up, checking some YouTube type videos and stuff, try to mm-hmm. figure it out. And uh, since I was staying at my parents' house in Mass at the time, they had a basement, so I just put it all in there. And uh, it takes a lot of time to do, you know. It's like really you need to have a lot of time, so it was kind of perfect. So you learned essentially a big part through online. 
yeah, just checking out. Uh, it was just some memory refreshers, honestly, because I had done it a lot, but I didn't really remember exactly. But once I kind of refreshed my memory on it, I could figure it out. And it's a lot of trial and error, too. It's like pretty much the whole thing is just like trying over and over and over again. So how is the process right. like? I know it involves liquids from some like I've just seen from movies. You fucking put that shit on the string. Yeah. Yeah, you have an enlarger. That's like the thing you put the negative into, and that's where the light comes on. You expose like some photo paper, and then yeah, you put that into developer. The f- picture comes up, and then two more chemicals after that, and you pretty much you have to have the like the mixture at a certain temperature, and then you have to do like certain time, and you have to like agitate it, kind of like move the like the developer and stuff around as you go. So you kind of have to like stand there in the dark. Yeah. And do it. But mm-hmm. all this information is essentially online. Yeah, for sure. Which is really dope. Yeah. It just kind of goes back to the whole tattoo apprenticing thing because I'm sure a lot of that info is online too now. You can just learn this shit straight up yourself. Yeah, for sure. It's the yeah. same thing. I mean, it's probably... I mean, I don't know what there is online for like tutorials for tattoo-wise, yeah. but I'm sure that you can like just see anything you want. Well, homie Sifu, he was on, he was on the podcast. He was talking about how he didn't have a, an apprenticeship, which he knows like... Obviously, some people frown upon it and stuff like that. And he's just straight up learned by himself. I can't remember. Do you remember how he said that he learned? I don't remember how he said he learned, but... Probably just like trial and error. I mean, that's really how you ultimately have to learn how to tattoo. No one can really tell you how to do it. So, I mean, and I don't uh, frown on that either. Like, Mm -hmm. in people who don't go through an apprenticeship, I don't frown on that at all. I think that it's cool. I think it's like more underground than what you know, a lot of other people do. And it is just trial and error. And if people are willing to get tattooed by you, then you just, as long as it's, you know, within like good moral practice or whatever, I think that that's how you figure it out. It might even be harder. Could be harder. Yeah. Because you don't have someone showing you. Yeah. If you don't have some guidance and things would be a lot harder, there's like basic things that if someone shows you, it's really easier to Mm -hmm. figure out. But actual application and everything, you just have to do it. Really. Yeah, I've, no- yeah. I've noticed a few people that have natural artistic abilities. It's slightly easier. Like my friend Joe Redding, he does like, um, like crazy realistic like portraits and bugged out pictures with um, like pencils, you know. And um, <laughs> fucking, he uh, <laughs> he transitioned that into tattooing. He just rented his own um, like studio space in the lower. And uh, he would just take one client maybe a month, and I actually got tattooed by him. And now he's in a he has his he's in a shop like he's not an apprentice. He's actually tattooing, which is really sick because yeah, he sick. took the time out to do his own thing and learn the process, learn the machinery, learn get the feel for tattooing. And now he has clients, uh, client after client. Like it's pretty really sick to see. Or even Charlie. Yeah, fucking Charlie too. Yeah, yeah I, see, I, I you know I don't know anything about tattooing, yeah. but. I've heard that for like him just starting his line work isn't that bad. Yeah, it's, no. it's looking pretty good, man. I mean, lines are hard to do. It's really hard to pull clean lines. What's hard yeah. about it? I've never tried. It's just I did. A, I did like a stick and poke on some fried friends of mine, but that's about it. That's hard. I mean, that's hard too. Even when you get into that, it's like, damn, this is hard. I was like, this is gonna be easy work, and then it started just bleeding and ink mixture everywhere, and all I could see was just through the straight up scar yeah, of what was going down, like pluck and take <laughs> it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's hard, dude. I mean, it takes a lot of like, I, 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 and the reason why it's hard to do lines is just because there's so many factors. Mm. Every time it's different. Everybody's skin is different. Every area of the body is different. Mm. And 
you have to like know how to manage all that stuff and maybe even just the person is different if they're kind of making you feel uncomfortable yeah. somehow or they're you know being putting a lot of pressure on you maybe you're feeling nervous maybe for years dude i was sh feel shaky like i would be every day stressing out that i was going to go in a tattoo and depending on what i had to do maybe it was something chill i wouldn't mm -hmm. be worried about some person around like oh man that like i don't even know how i'm going to make that tattoo look like how they want it to look and i'm still going to try and so yeah you're fucking nervous when you do that mm -hmm. shit because yeah, like, if you mess up then what they're going to be like yo yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> like, this is on me forever now until yeah. I get some rowdy lasers, laser yeah. shit done. Yeah, it can be, like, gnarly pressure, dude. And the, the craziest... I remember having to tattoo this dude's... This guy's face. He came in, and it was early on. Like, I was... It, it was years back. And he wanted... I had tattooed, like, some other stuff on him, maybe, like, on his fingers or something. And a lot of times, try to have discretion with the what people are asking you and maybe be like, do you really want to, you know, are you sure you want to have that or, or something like that? Or some people, you, some people <laughs> you can kind of tell, you know, some people you're just like, they're going to get this no matter what. Yeah. So uh, this guy was one of those types of dudes and he asked for a cross on his face, just two lines. Yeah. Seemed so simple. Wanted it, you know, right, right here. And I thought like, all right, cool. This is chill. And so drew a cross. Yeah. Better not <laughs> shake at all or yeah. do anything. Cause I like, dude lays down face on the thing and i like you know it's you just using your hand so i'm like putting my hands on his face and that's weird already yeah and then i'm like going to like stretch his fucking cheek with yeah, my just like, like fist and all of a sudden i realized like this is so gnarly and then i was just like shaking like crazy oh shit and i could tell because my hand's on his face you know and i'm like he must feel me shaking <laughs> and like he you know and i'm just like fuck so i try to i mean you have to like just be confident. You gotta be you a pro in that moment. You gotta just be full of confidence, dude, and just be like, I'm doing this, and then just do it and fucking hope that it looks good when you wipe <laughs> it off. Yeah, but you better hope. How'd it come out? I th it was fine, dude. Like, it was fine, and I was so freaked out, dude. This dude left, paid me, it was all good, and then my coworkers were looking at me like, are you are you all right? Did something happen? And I was just like, that was so gnarly. Well, that's why there needs to be, I mean, I agree. The whole learning process needs to be OD. Just like if you're gonna be a doctor, you have to go through the rowdy process, be a straight up, you got to be a resident, sort of live at the hospital. How much you practice? Because yeah. what you're doing is pretty crucial work at that at that one moment. If you're tattooing somebody's face or even just anywhere, for the most part, yeah. it's a big thing. They're paying a lot of money. They want your artwork on them. Probably means something to them, and it's permanent. You know, you better know what you're doing. You better have really trained. Like I need to trust the person who's working on me. Yeah, it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, mm -hmm. and even just the the amount that. The amount of trust that's required from your clients, it's a huge responsibility not to betray that, I think, and to make them feel comfortable and be professional and, you know, be able to do what you say you'll be able to do or what they expect you to mm -hmm. be able to do. Of course. When, you, when you first started, did you practice on, like, fake skins or fruit or did you just practice on, like, friends? Yeah, I never did, really. And uh, I kind of, in hindsight, I think... I have tattooed fake skin before. It's not anything like tattooed yeah. regular skin. <laughs> yeah. But um, the advantage that you get from doing stuff like that is like holding the machine and feeling mm -hmm. the weight and mm -hmm. then managing that part of it. Yeah. Because that's pretty different too. But I never did. I just tattooed homies. Because yeah. like, I heard like the depth 
of the needle going into the skin is it has to be perfect because if you're too shallow it'll fade and if you go too deep you can potentially cut the person which is not yeah. good either you know yeah you're right. you can like yeah. yeah you could damage their skin or you blow out the line it just doesn't look crisp it gets all like blobby and mm-hmm. or it could be gnarlier like a big blowout you could turn someone's like half their arm blue or something but aren't more people like like you said it depends on the person also they can be more sensitive to all that you know bleeding and stuff have you ever experienced like someone really bleeding out or Uh, (laughs) i don't know like some people bleed more but that also depends on like the area of the body depends Mm. on the type of shit that they're eating and drinking like the day before and everything does alcohol come into play because i heard people say it like thins the blood and uh makes you bleed a lot more you've had clients come in just wasted and they like yeah or or if they got wasted the night before really big thing too you notice it when you tattoo it I mean, you could notice because you probably notice in just the way that they're like mm-hmm. acting, yeah. carrying themselves, or maybe they'll just say, but yeah, it'll like bleed a lot. Or skin can be different too. It, 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 sometimes it can just be like different. I don't know. There's so many different factors that can happen. It's yeah. kind of crazy. You ever straight up denied somebody who wanted a certain thing that's just not your style? Um, I'm trying to think exactly. I'm sure there's not a lot of, that I've just denied, I, unless it's, you know, the I don't I haven't tattooed any faces like after that experience, so I'll mm. d- always deny that stuff. Oh, you deny faces? Yeah, just deny faces because I don't really think anyone needs to get their face tattooed that much, and if it was maybe like a homie or something, but I don't even want to because it's just a stress that I know mm. that I don't want to have. Is that a common thing? That people will deny it. Yeah, denying faces. I don't think so. Some people are totally comfortable doing it, and it doesn't, you know, could do like some crazy tech mm-hmm. shit and not even be stressed at all. Mm-hmm. What about? Look sick. What about in terms of like uh, like racist tattoos? Are people trying to get something offensive? Because like the guy I go to, he's he's told me stories where people wanted some rowdy stuff, and like he would just pretty much like get aggressive with them because not only they wanted that tattoo but it just shows what kind of person they are and they, he doesn't want them in their shop you know for sure I agree. have you experienced anything like that like i don't really experience it outright too much but for yeah. sure like that shit cannot stand yeah in the shop anyone who is outright asking for it or you know if we knew at all that that's what the goal was then for sure yeah. like no way that's going down yeah. what was your process like when you dropped out of school because Basically, I was reading an interview you did, and you were like, for some reason, I dropped out of school. To me, that's like a big decision, <laughs> Yeah, and well, you gave no reason for it. Okay, I I guess um, I didn't really have, like, a too much of a focus at the time, and I was, I mean, obviously, like, if you don't like school, then you're not going to get anything out of it, so I wasn't really getting a lot out of it. A few classes that I liked, I was getting stuff out of, and I started, like, the last semester I was there, I was taking a painting class. That's when I started like getting more back into painting, like bigger paintings and stuff again. And the teacher I had, I really didn't get along with. And uh, once I had been painting on my own, like in a studio that I rented on my own, uh, I just thought like, I'll just do this on my own. I don't really need to go to school Mm -hmm. to be like doing the same thing. This was before you had ever tattooed? Right before, yeah. Like, I started learning, like, shortly after that. But at the at my plan at the time was, I don't know, I'm just going to work some jobs or whatever, go on tour, you know, have make paintings, try to have some shows or something. Because I had met some people around, like, Northampton area, mm-hmm. and there's some small galleries there. So I was kind of a part of, like, some group shows at the time and starting to do more stuff along those lines. So I just thought, like, 
I'll just bail on school and like focus on doing this stuff mm. basically. And then luckily tattooing, like I found my way into that because that really changed your life essentially. Yeah, for sure. Because when I think of you, I think of somebody who's always consistently working on some, uh, some sort of artistic endeavor. You're painting just regular canvases and stuff like that with acrylic and doing all these things. You're mm. tattooing, you're t shooting photos, learning how to develop your own film, you know? You're always in the mix of, of something. Yeah, I think I kind of get like obsessive over stuff. Or at least I want to feel like if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be like a person that does that thing. And to me, the main like requirement for that type of stuff is just doing like what mm -hmm. you say you're going to do or what you like to do. So I get like a little bit wrapped up in a lot of different projects in a sense, but they're all kind of like relate to each other, I think, too. Mm -hmm. So when you got when you started getting tattooed yourself, I know you there was a period of time where you were saying you were spending all your money on that shit. Yeah. What was your first one? And when did you start realizing like, oh, I need more, 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 more? <laughs> Um, the first one was like, it's kind of, I don't even have it anymore, but it was on my thigh. And at the start, it's like, I had no idea what I wanted to get tattooed. So I was going through some crazy processes, trying to figure that type of thing out. Like, I remember like looking at stuff online, but wasn't like really that easy to figure it out that way. So I got like a tattoo. It was, uh, it was like an arm that was just like cut off and it had like wires coming out of the bottom it's just like a you know a human looking arm but it was like mechanical or something <laughs> so i don't really remember exactly why i wanted to get that but that's what i got and i think slowly did you get it at a shop or some homie did it yeah i got it at a shop oh sick yeah because the girl i was dating at the time was getting tattooed by this guy she went to high school with and he was now like tattooing and he's actually like a really sick tattooer like went on to be like a really mm. famous dude but at the time, yeah, he was kind of just starting. So that's why I got tattooed by him. But I tr I got tattooed by so many different people, random weirdos and stuff, trying to figure out, like, what I liked, what, I don't know, what, like, felt comfortable. Because a lot of, like, places you go in is weird, man. It's I feel so uncomfortable to go into tattoo shops mostly. Really? You do? I think, like, most people probably feel uncomfortable, especially if, if you're – I mean, these days – yeah, if I go somewhere that I haven't been or I don't know the people, yeah. I definitely feel uncomfortable. It's a, it's a whole different community world, like vibe in that shop. You know, each well, person you has their own. If you're like in that world, I don't know, man. Like I don't know. It's like a lot of like ego and stuff involved. I think it's a lot of like toxic masculinity involved. And you just think like, if you walk in, they know who you are. I don't like all this Ryan match. He think he nice. <laughs> a lot of like I mean in Brooklyn and stuff in New York I have I know most tattooers I know like a lot of tattooers here so most places I'm probably friends with somebody but even then that you know even if they're all my friends there and I haven't hung out at the shop a lot you go in it's like not your space so you're kind of like intimidated a little bit mm. so especially if you're not knowing the people and you just go in there trying to get tattooed I mean, a lot of times the people working in tattoo shops aren't the most friendly people. And to, like, I've noticed that getting tattooed when I was younger and had to like deal with a lot of like nervousness and going in and all that. So it's important to me these days to like make people feel comfortable and they come mm -hmm. in. So like, you know, like everyone in the shop also feels that way, I think. So like, yeah, make people feel at home, make them feel like they can ask for what they want. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're not afraid to maybe tell you that, like, you're not doing it the way they wanted to do it or something. I don't know. Stuff like that. Yeah, like, have it be a positive experience. 
for sure yeah. because you know if they're doing it and they don't they don't think it's coming out good or the sketch if they don't feel like telling you how many people you think have probably gotten some shit that wasn't exactly what they wanted or somewhere along those lines for fear of not telling the person that yo this is what i want redraw it yeah probably a lot more than i'm aware of for sure i could see how that would be weird yeah. you know if like you do something for me and i was like redraw it that'd be kind of od yeah, I mean, it's not weird for me. It can be, like, frustrating at times depending on what the request is or how much, like... Because the way that I work is, like, I don't really draw shit beforehand. People come in, we just talk, like, what do you want to get? Where do you want to get it? A lot of times people don't just choose... Like, I end up drawing for every tattoo. So if you came to get tattooed, you'd be like, I want to get this thing and I want to get it here, this size. I'd be like, okay, cool, hang out. And then I would just sit down and draw. Sometimes it goes quick the idea mm. that i have maybe it goes easy draw it 15 minutes or something maybe it takes like two hours and then mm. at that point i'm like stressing i'm sweating i'm like crumpling up mm. paper and i'm so, not ready yeah so if i draw <laughs> something 15 minutes and you're like oh cool but do you think you could just like add this mm. in and i'm like yeah word no problem or if i've taken two hours and then made all these changes then i'm like yeah cool and then someone's like oh you know there's more pressure there's more like tension in that situation so you have to be like conscious of that and try to make sure like you know tell me if you don't like this or tell me if you want to change this or a lot of times i have a feeling that i will know like i'm going to add something maybe it's a little weird to them but i think it's sick so <laughs> if they go with it they'll be happy in the long run but i know like they're probably not going to be down for that yeah, so you do you do primarily walk-ins right and you also have like flash sheets that you draw yourself that people can choose from well, or? I don't do walk-ins anymore, but for a long time I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a long time, that's like all I did. Walk-ins and appointments too. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's like I have it pretty... I'm at a really good place right now where people are down to get tattooed by me. It's pretty casual. Just hit me up and then come in. Yeah. Like I was saying, they just choose something. Mm -hmm. It's usually like within you, you know, they just kind of want something that looks like what I do, which is like super... I'm really grateful to have yeah. that type of experience because it's easy for me now. And I have a lot of designs that I've worked with in the past. So maybe I like work with the same things a lot or I've drawn it so much mm -hmm. that I know how it makes it a little bit easier, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like it's, it's just appointments when it's walk-ins, mm -hmm. it can get a little bit more stressful because you don't know what people are going to ask yeah. for. Maybe it's something off the wall. Maybe it's something that's like, you never, you don't know how to even do mm -hmm. it. And you have to kind of wait around in the shop all day. Maybe no one will come in. You know, if you're covering a shift, you're like just waiting there mm -hmm. from 12 to 8. Maybe 10 people are going to come in to get tattooed. Maybe zero are. So, yeah. so what's the deal with tattooing now? Like I'm During talking COVID? about. Yeah. Because I'm assuming the shop closed for a minute. Yeah. From uh, March till July, it was closed. Now it's pretty pretty laid back. Like you're supposed to just have appointments beforehand. But you could call up the day of. Um, I don't really work that way. I just do everything like set up through me and beforehand. But yeah, people can call up. And if they want to get tattooed, usually there's someone around who will be down to do it. And it makes it a little easier because friends can't come back and stuff. And uh, you kind of just have to be in and out, come in, can't, don't really hang out too extra, just come mm -hmm. in, get tattooed, and then take off. So it's just brutal efficiency. Exactly. And it, like it's cool when a lot of people come and kick it sometimes, but sometimes you're stressing. You're trying to draw some shit, and then mm -hmm. you have three homies come in, and they're standing over your shoulder, and they're talking to you, and you're just like, they're cracking beers, and you're like, fuck, I'm just trying to draw. And, like, <laughs> so you can avoid those situations without having to be like, yo, dudes, you got to get out of here. 
I think it's interesting because, so we talked to Sergio Hernandez on the show, and he was telling us how when he got into tattooing, he was trying to be like an artist. He would do murals, he was like painting graffiti and just painting canvas and stuff like that. And I think that someone came up to him while he was painting a mural, and they were like, yo, you should try tattooing. And he's like, nah, bro, like, I'm trying to be an artist. And then he ended up getting, you know, super, super into it. And then you, you found yourself at a later age uh, thinking that the time had already passed for that. Is it a common theme that uh, some people who get into it don't necessarily, like, let's say someone wants to be, like, a, I don't know, like, an engineer, and they're, like, 12, like, I want to be this when I grow up, and then they be, they follow that from an early path, they just start it out of the cut, or? Um, like, what do I think about that, or? Or do you think it's a common theme that oh, it's yeah. something that people, like, I have some friends who I honestly think that'd be such a sick job for them. They have a bunch of tattoos. They like drawing them. And I'm like, yo, why don't you just try this? You know, like, just fucking try it. Give it a shot. And they're like, nah, it's maybe too. And I could potentially, in some scenario, see them doing like three or four years down the line. You know. Yeah, I I do think that is a common theme. I I mean, I think it's common that it's easy for people to like be interested in doing tattooing because yeah, if you're into art at all, it's like it's basically corporate art. Like, and it's just art that pays. You know, like people are always wanting to get tattooed. So if you figure out how to coordinate like those two efforts, you get paid for like doing the art that you want to do. So for sure, I think it's common. I think a lot of people see that and maybe they just are afraid to like take the step into it or they're not necessarily super interested in it. They just like saw it as a good means of like making money. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, how could people not be around that or see it? It's dope. There's so much history behind it, so much Mm. tradition. It's It's truly a skill. There's hardware machinery that... You know, you can, I, I know people like edit their own shit, they like scribe into it and stuff yep. like that, make their own colors of machines. It's, it's pretty dope, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot involved like in the culture for sure. Yeah, and it's also a consistent career because once you're in that, that world and you have, you're working for a shop and you have a consistent client base, you're pretty much set. Like you can make a good deal of money that other careers don't really provide, you yeah. know? And it's, uh, and like you said, it's for any kid that, you know they're lost and they don't know which direction to go in the world and they are artistically capable and they want to be a tattooer they can be you know and it can provide them the life that they desire you yeah know? yeah i mean you're absolutely right anyone who's willing to put in the work i think mm. i think it doesn't even require the artistic ability but that makes it easier mm. yeah i was actually gonna i was just about to ask you that what do you say to people who be like oh i can't draw mm. yeah. i just like i can't draw I mean, I can't, like, technically draw super well, you know? I've just, like, figured out a way that works for me. And uh, so to all those people, I think, like, yeah, maybe they can't, but if they tried to, they could. It's mm-hmm. like, have, do you try? Do you draw, you know? Everyone who says that probably isn't drawing every day and then looking at their drawing being like, I can't draw. No. There's probably a, this assumption that unlike, let's say, skateboarding or, or graph or fucking, I don't know, basketball, where it's something that you start and no one is good at the start and then you get good at it. There's this thought that like, oh, I just like, I can't draw, I can't paint. As if it's not just another practice that you could really put in work on and get significantly better. Yeah. You know easy. what I mean? Yeah, which, which I'm sure it is. It is, yeah, you're exactly right. How are you going to do it every day and just stay new at the same plane that when you start? It makes no type of sense. Yeah, and that would be weird if you did. That it's would like, be really weird. You'd be stupid. Mm. Yeah, it's like, how is that happening? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's insane, but... How'd you get into skateboarding? Same thing that, like, most people do, I think, as a kid, and just... Actually, the, the first time I got a skateboard, 
I remember this very clearly because I was going to Toys R Us with my aunt and it was my birthday. She was going to buy me like a thing from the Toys R Us and I wanted like a Star Wars related thing, like some type of like fake gun thing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you're not going to get that. I'm going to get you something that you can like really use. So she forced me to get a skateboard. I didn't really even want to have it. And then after a while of seeing it sitting around in the garage or whatever, I just started doing it. But it's just like in terms of like being a kid and discovering that and being kind of like forced to play sports or something, not really wanting to. And then realizing like you could do this and you just do it however you want and it's super fun and like no one else really tells you what to do style involved yeah you can really do it your own way yeah do it any way that you want you don't Mm -hmm. have to like Mm -hmm. do what other people are saying yeah and so that's like once you figure that out that's like pretty cool it's also like a really big like it opens you up to a lot of things because when you watch skate videos you will remember all of the soundtracks check out those artists check out the 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 pro skater who's usually some kind of weirdo so then you get opened up you get exposed to a lot of different stuff that kids in your same school at that age have zero clue about yeah and you see the world in a different way too like forever after that you can't kind of unsee that shit Mm -hmm. when i when i started um i just like saw some kid do some trick like he ollied onto a curb and i I couldn't even believe it and i was like yo mom i want a skateboard for my birthday and she's like all right we'll go to dick's sporting goods and get you one i was like no we're not going to dick's like because i i had a conception of what a real board and a fake board was so like no we're not going to dick's like i need some real shit and then she's like how much is the real shit and i'm like i don't know like 100 and what was it 125 or something like that and she's like for for a for, it's like a scooter in <laughs> their mind toy, yeah. yeah for a toy like you're crazy and i'm like she's like we're gonna go to dick sporting goods so i went to dick's and i got a world industries that at the time in my mind i'm like that is the wackest brand and they sell it at dick's like and it's a complete already this is mad whack i was like i'm trying to get something from uh eb like eastern border and then she made me get the dick sporting goods one and i was so bummed on everything and i don't even think it was like i don't know what the contract that world has with dicks but it's not like a like it was a bad quality skateboard but it was like the same graphic but it was like the same graphic and also those graphic looks weird there's like an appeal to them that you have to be in like the know to like them but in the moment i'm like this is the toyest yeah like what is this like cartoon <laughs> flame guy on my shit? yeah yeah i know that feeling and now so then uh i ended up like switching that and i got like an element which i was mad hyped on and the dude was like you know nicholson i don't think uh, so. john nicholson oh he was like yo you He's like, what kind of trucks you want? I'm like, what are trucks? And then he's like, he told me what they were. And he's like, get Indies. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm getting Indies. Fucking a year later, I'm like, independent forever. Fuck you if you don't ride Indies type shit, you know? Yeah. But how did you know at the time, like, what a good skateboard was? Well, I didn't. I just knew that Element, in my Mm -hmm. mind, Element was the A-list. I had this kid at my school who had an Element backpack. You know, the one that has the... I'm like, that is the sickest brand. In my, I didn't know anyone. I just knew like Bam Margera and Nigel Houston. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Element is where it's at. I'm getting Element. Those are the dudes. Yeah. They they were kind of cool at, at that. Like, they weren't like cool. But if you look like me, if I look at Nigel Houston footage, when he was a little ass kid with huge dreads doing like kickflip front board down a handrail, I'm like, this is sick. Yeah, it's blowing your mind. No, sure. it, yeah. I still think it's sick. Yeah. That like him when he was a little kid is dope. Yeah, for sure. He's like an enigma. He's just like this little kid with like huge dreads that are the size, like they go down to his feet. Tiny, like what 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 what, what uh, shoe did he wear? I feel like he's wearing S's, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember either. 
but Bam was sick too. I mean, Bam's a sick skater, dude. Mm. So. It's just weird because the the level of skating has gotten so high that you see him and you're like, how was this dude one of the top pros at one point? Yeah. Or even like Rob Deere, it's like, how were these dudes on the highest? Like, they're good, don't get me wrong, but compared to what's good now, it's like, how are they on that level? Yeah, but I mean, even, I mean, Rob Deerdeck was like on Alien Workshop and shit. That's what I'm like, saying. He's put out like insane parts. I think they hold up still. You think they hold up? For I think sure. like stylistically For they sure. hold up, but I'm talking about like the, also the whole style thing has changed, like from the style of filming to what you can and can't skate. It was more like a, you know, like everything has changed. Like New York has been a big part of that. New York and all the Supreme videos have been a big part of like what is acceptable to film and what you can and can't skate. Yeah, it really depends on the area kind of. And, like, the type of shit that's around, first of all. But there's different types of skating and, like, skaters, too. Some people are more kind of, like, jumping down crazy shit all the time. Some people are a little bit more, like, athletic with the shits and, like, doing crazy, I don't know, like, athletic type shit. And some people are more into, like, skating street or just, like, I don't know, like, more style and, like trick selection and like spot selection and like i don't know if you're in new york obviously that has a specific look people everywhere you know getting skating done is really difficult here just because of like sheer mass of like people cars shitty weather shitty fucking ground everything and then you see footage from la or something west coast and it's like some huge empty schoolyard or whatever parking lot at a school huge rail and it's just a whole crew of homies but not another person in sight you know perfectly smooth ground sunny skies easy to shoot photos everything you know there's like all types of different less of a bust yeah less of a bust and just whatever like you ever skated in la yeah have you skated the uh what was it the la high banks is that that's what it is i've never skated it's there. just the brick banks that uh yeah. what's his face like front hat like I don't know who it was that Andrew like Andrew Allen. Yeah, Allen. I was thinking about like Andrew front, Allen. Like fakey, like half cab, half cab flip into that shit. You've never yeah. skated there. I've never been there. You, no. you roll up to the bank and your nose—it's one of those things. Your nose will hit the bank before your wheels do, it's but just, like drastically, not even just like kind of drastically. Yeah, yeah. It seems hard to skate. It's not my like, not my choice of terrain, like that type of shit. What do you like skating? I mean, I just love skating like flat skating ledges and just like shit like that i like to watch like i like to like watch lines you know i don't really like to watch like crazy big spots i like stuff that's more relatable like just like flip tricks good trick selection maybe not the hardest tricks but like just stuff that looks cool and uh yeah that's i like to just skate like who are some of your favorites skaters yeah like lavar mcbride probably like all-time favorite skater i mean so many dudes like Mostly stuff, like, I like New York shit, too, kind of the best. Like, all, like, 90s New York people. And, like, that's all my favorite footage to watch, not necessarily, like, a certain person. I like to watch, like, all types of footage. And maybe, like, somebody does one particular line where you're like, that was fucking sick. And, like, whatever the way they pushed or, like, the tricks they chose, you're just like, that was fucking cool. The way he kick-flipped over that thing looked so sick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, shit like that, that dude. The, best. the way they edit it, too, it's so raw. It's not like... I feel like now a lot of the videos that they edit are... There's a heavy influence from so many other videos that have already occurred that it's almost like a recycled thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me... You know, I've been skating for a long time, and it's just hard to get as hyped on certain videos because you've just seen so much, and everyone's so good now that you're like... 
That's not even. Imp- I know that if I go to LES, I'm gonna see some kid do something crazy. Yeah, for sure. Maybe if I was still in mass, I'd be like, "Yo, what?" But now I've, I know that everyone there is nice. I'm over it at this point. But those videos, like the Zero mixtape in, in particular, it's like, it's like one of a kind type of thing. It's yeah, so yeah. It's so like new at the time, I guess. And yeah, now it's like you definitely get desensitized to the shit, especially with the phones and everything. You mm-hmm. constantly see it, and you constantly see the stuff you want to see too, like the old shit and whatever. But you still just see it all the time. Skating's also completely changing because of Instagram. There's a whole yeah. different segment of people who that was not a thing. You would have got roasted into oblivion if you were like on some like SoundCloud skateboarder stuff. Like it, that did not exist. You would get roasted into oblivion. Yeah. You go to your skate park wearing that, and that's the end of your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. The older heads are gonna really haze you. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, I mean that's definitely true. Not necessarily like the best thing, I guess, but. Yeah, it's different. I think the worst stuff that's different is just like the the product that you make from skating is like putting out the videos and magazines and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. It was so much cooler when you couldn't when you put out the video and it's like the first time anyone's seeing the shit it's and you have to wait for that shit to like watch it. And like you got to wait for the magazine too and like that aspect of it is so cool to me and now that it's gone, it makes you appreciate it really makes you appreciate the the product. Yeah. Because you have to wait. Yeah. And it is limited. And on Instagram, it is legitimately infinite. At your fingertips anytime. Forever. Yes. It's infinite. And you were going to see the most brown, brown, groundbreaking skateboarding that you've ever seen. Yeah. And you just, you're not even going to care. Yeah. Unless the person's style is next level. Like, I like Greco a lot. Yeah. Just because of the art he makes on the side. And he's just like a weirdo individual who he's like very, like he has a crazy personality, you know. And I like the fact that he's older and just absolutely killing himself you see the clip where he smashed his his spine on the curb yes yes yeah i mean he's a legend dude like he pioneered like some shit for sure and he's just an animal i guess he's reinvented himself a few times too definitely i saw this there's this video it's probably like i'm not even shitting you his fifth post on the gram where he he was trying in in one of the hammers videos or it might have not it might have been the death wish video whatever he tries to back three from roof to roof but there's a fence and in that, in the midst of those attempts, he sliced his shin really bad, and it was just straight up open. And the video on Instagram oh. is uh, him closing it, just straight duct tape, sock, and some more duct tape, and then he's like gonna get it or some shit like that. <laughs> like he just goes and tries it again. Oh, dude, that's so raw. I mean, that's some people are psychotic like that, you know. How often do you still be skating and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I was skating today. I oh, skate because I, I shoot a lot of photos, so I try to go. I like kind of focus on that, like mainly sometimes. I mean, definitely through this like last year and through the summer and everything, I spend kind of most of my time doing that, biking around like with homies and shit, and just carrying like crazy gear with me, like big camera bag, flashes, like tripods and shit. Carry all this shit with me and just like try to shoot photos some days shoot nothing some days shoot stuff some days get to actually skate like maybe just skate somewhere skate like a smooth street or something skate a spot or some days just kind of like watch other people skate but i like it's pretty much the main thing i spend my time doing a lot that's sick that's awesome bro yeah there is this idea that there's mad spots in new york which there is but there is not depends what you consider a spot and like how hard you're willing to well at this point bro anything is a spot yeah, like just w- what everyone's doing now because of just the architecture of New York. 
everything and anything can be a spot. And it's kind of cool yeah. how some some spots like they go in and out of trend. Like what's that spot near um it's on Allen. It's just that gap. It's like the flat gap, but you can also grind the side of it. Yeah, Brim and Allen. Yeah, and it starts becoming like people start skating in different ways. They start like alling from the street into like a blunt slide on that on the side of the shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, been there so many times. Pretty much spent made like two summers ago, even this summer, just kind of like chill in that little section all night and drink beers. Even like this summer, like homies are like lighting fires and shit and just kicking it there. Like no worries, cop, like no worries about anything. Just like fully chill there, crazy beers, smoke weed, skate that fucking gap, like be skating in traffic and just like, yeah, that, that spot is like definitely really weird, horrible spot kind of, yeah. but like... <laughs> just end up kicking it there so much and don't know why like just sometimes it's hard to figure out like all right where are we gonna go like i go back to brim and allen just kick it there are these these segments of the lower for the skating that just straight up have segments that are impervious to laws that's true like you can do literally anything in this section and nothing will happen like triangle, triangle. you know like some atrocities go down and like nothing <laughs> can happen that's it like a cop can drive by and there's just too many fucking human beings gathered in one spot like they're over it yeah they just don't even want to try maybe or i don't know what the deal is dude, we, they had this this one dude it's on footage somewhere he's like this old 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 chinese guy you've definitely seen him around you've probably seen the clip who just collects trash but he's not like he's not homeless he's just like whatever he collects can like that's his hustle collecting cans and they had shots of something so, so, yeah shots of Sirak and he's like coming by collecting cans and someone like put it in his hand obviously there's an ill language barrier they put it in his hand and they're like yo and he's just like fuck it and like the face that he makes before he puts it on like he puts on this like I'm a monster face like I'm a boss and just downs it and like looks the dude who gave it to him in the eye and everyone's like ah <laughs> I think they made him hit a, they pass him a blunt damn dude dude's like fucking 300 years old he's mad old and he just looks at the blunt on some like either a like I haven't done this in like 800 years and he's just like <laughs> and he just chucks it to the ground like I don't even think he gave it back he didn't even give it back to the kid like just full like, blunt yeah just Stomps like chucks it, it to the ground and was like I'm out and just walked away oh my god that's so sick <laughs> yeah there's yeah there's footage of it and it's it's, it's really dope those are the things that I, I really 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 appreciate those moments and these these outdoor locations where these things go down you know that's some New York shit for sure. No, it really is. Yeah. But there are some shit that, you know, we were talking about it with Donut where people don't know who don't live here. Like, there would be some struggles of just getting to a place. Yeah, for sure. Like, traffic or anything like that. Do you live near your job? Yeah, I live pretty close. Like, I, I, I bike mostly everywhere. Like, I do drive too, but mostly just if I need to or, you know, feeling pretty chill or something. But... Biking is like full freedom, dude, because then you're not really like stuck in traffic. You're not stuck at lights. You just go down any road. You feel road. like it's like your legs taking you somewhere. Yeah, and it feels good, too. It's like you can be putting music on, which I highly recommend, like get a speaker, listen to your shit, and just like bike. And that's like the best way to get around. You get less stressed. Sometimes it can yeah, be far. Right now. I'm about to straight up buy a bike when dude, you leave. Dude, it's freedom. I'm telling you, like it's pure freedom. Like anywhere you want to get to. You just look it up, all right, bike route, and then you just go, and it's like you can get anywhere. You don't have to worry about, like, all right, I'm going to – should we take the train from here? Should we switch here? Are we going to take it to here? Like, driving, who knows? You could be jammed up like crazy. 
but biking you're just going and even pushing like skating like you get tired it hurts your that feet shit, eventually yeah and you depending can depending on the depending on the terrain ground just, can be bad you appreciate the good terrain and then you get to the bow and you're like fuck my existence yep yep or you just get fully homied hit a crack or something who knows what i got fully homied in uh i got fully homied in la man i was looking for food for mad long he was there i was looking for, for food for mad long i was so pissed because how hungry i was and uh finally but i'm we're with mad heads and i finally find a food truck that had a burrito spot and i'm like yo yo everybody wait up wait up and like i make them wait but you know how it is like they'll just fucking go and leave you in the dust and like you don't exist which really pisses me off and i'm waiting for the burrito and they all are just like well, someone starts skating before you know it, there's like 13 sherm heads just leaving you and like those are i don't know my way around and i get the burrito dude i get the fucking burrito man and it's in like this like you know the, the aluminum in a in a paper bag and i'm like and i see them just like mirage imaging away from me i'm like yo i gotta catch up i gotta catch up just and then there's some shit all over the place so i like i just grab the burrito i'm like i'm just holding the you know the the paper bag and i'm like mm, i hit a fucking crack I fly, and somehow, in that flying, like, I just went, like, <clears throat> like, burrito elbow. I elbowed the burrito to the floor, but I, and I, it exploded, and my my elbow, I got, like, a swell elbow because of how hard I hit the, hit the cement. And I just, like, I'm on the floor with, like, I know my burrito was cooked, and it was, like, the only food that I was looking forward to. And I see these fools skating Mach 10, like, yeah, like, away they, from you. Away from me. <laughs> And I'm like you, there's only one release right now, and that's screaming fuck as loud as I can. So hopefully one of them turns around and sees me on the floor. And I'm like, <laughs> And these fools, like, this kid turns around, and he starts geeking. And I just want to kill him. Your burrito's, like, all smashed. Was, just my elbow, I'm just, like, holding my elbow, and, like, no one cares about anything. Yeah, that's the skate life, man. That's what you sign up for, I guess. It was terrible. Yeah, just if you're in, like, if you're trying to catch up on some shit, it can be tough sometimes for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. What kind of bike do you ride? Just like a, I have a shitty bike. I don't even know what kind it is, but I I took it with me from Mass. I had a homie that like set it up for me there, but I have like a basket on the front. I have like the rack on the back, which some people will talk shit, but the board rack. I mean, for my purposes, I can't really carried another way you have the one on the side side one it's the best because i've tried to put it on the basket before but if you're going through traffic like you could get jammed in there and then i have another bag hanging off the other side that i keep like flashes in and shit and then i have like a big camera bag i carry on my back so i have like a full rig usually summer i have like a cooler little rei cooler it kind of like it's soft and it's like thin but you can fold it up into like a little square type mm -hmm. thing some ice in there go to the deli get two cups of ice beers in the cooler that goes in the basket and then like in the heat everything you always have cold beer or like some snacks that need refrigeration or something so you'll have cooler for beers board backpack full of a bunch of camera shit and a little pouch of, of flashes yeah thing on the side like usually depending on the day like sometimes i have like battery packs that are pretty heavy they're like these big rectangular oh you're talking things. about flashes like camera flashes yeah like i i seriously thought you meant like a portfolio oh no not that type of shit i was like yo why would you carry that when you're skating no camera flashes like flashes that are like bulbs that are kind of this big like these flash heads cords that come off them then they got to like plug into these battery packs then you got to have stands for that shit too so it's like all this shit dude and it just gets more and more 
heavier and heavier. So having the bike is like the best. Get the whole rig set up, get all your shit on there, be set for the day. And once you have the momentum, you're good. Yeah, you could be out for the whole day. It feels good. Like, yeah, you start biking because usually you got to take the bridge. Mm. Once you start doing that every day and then like it gets easier, you're just used to biking around. I think like maybe at the start, yeah, it's a little bit daunting. You're like, fuck, got to mm. bike over here and shit. But once you're doing it all the time, it's like pretty normal. It just feels like regular. It doesn't ever feel like overwhelming for you to the point where you're thinking, Yo, New York City is kind of much. It's like too much noise, too much traffic, too much hustle and bustle. You ever too much feel like, like bike with cooler and a million things? Yeah, you ever feel like moving out? Did you ever think of leaving this place? I mean, not like not yet. I kind of intend to stay for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I love living in New York, and, and it is crazy sometimes. It gets to be too much, mm-hmm. but I love like always going. I don't really like to yeah. like just sit at home or anything. And the thing I, I like that about it, that it is like crazy because when you're like kind of in the middle of it and you're on top of it, yeah. it feels good. Like you kind of like did all this crazy shit. And if you're exhausted, then that feels good too. No, like, in a sense, it makes you feel alive. Like all your senses yes. are working in those moments. You're like, yes. and you achieve your goal of getting to your destination with like no injuries. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> Which is uh, definitely worth it. Like yeah. I feel the same on my motorcycle. My bad to cut you off. Oh, like, um, like I primarily travel on my bike, which is like not a four season thing but i do ride it in the winter right now and like it's like a mission getting everywhere to work to here like every day i'm riding like hours on end and when i you know like i cut through traffic it's similar to a bicycle and when i get to my destination i'm just like it's kind of like a like a good feeling you know i just like take off my gloves and i'm like all right i'm alive you know yeah it's, see that's sick i love that yeah. like i like when shit feels like a mission like that yeah. and if you have like extra gear that goes with it i don't know it just like makes it more interesting bro i've been caught in some crazy rainstorms to the point where i was literally riding on the highway and i start laughing to myself how soaked <laughs> i am and i can only imagine like the car next to me like in a confined like you know what i mean like rectangle Ouch. not getting like drenched at all like listening to music yeah, with the sure. heat on and i'm like yo i'm so extra but this is like making me feel alive and i love this moment even though i'm like gonna die in a second if like i crash into a puddle or some shit you know dude i totally understand what you're saying yeah, yeah I, I love that shit too yeah. what do you have going on next next thing going on you're like painting any projects working on any like big tattoos anything like that well like i'm always kind of uh, working on some paintings um like last year i had like my first solo show and so i kind of painted for like a whole year for that type of thing and so now that i had that it was like i kind of just want to do something like that again maybe somewhere different so just always working on paintings trying to sometimes like big paintings sometimes small ones and also like put out some zines um right now the next zine i want to put out is just like another photo zine like i put out like some skate photo zines um, so all the photos that are from like the past, pretty much the whole summer, I guess, um, up until now, I'll put out like a big zine with that, maybe include like some extra photos I know photos of people chilling and other shit, maybe like photos of protests and stuff like sure. that type of stuff that was going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always like trying to figure something out. Yeah. I maybe want to go back to mass and like try to print some color photos, which is like a whole different difficult like hard process that i haven't done but my ultimate goal is to like do a photo show or a book with all photos that i've printed myself because i was thinking like the if you're shooting film for the sake of shooting the film or i don't know you're 
using this like analog medium, but then you immediately scan it and put it into like a digital. digital form. Yeah, so like I ha- kind of have a problem with that, not in the sense of anyone else doing it, but like I want I want to seek like some other outlet besides that. So my ultimate goal is yeah to like print some color photos in a dark room and either have a show or like do a book or something like that. Dope man. Yeah. All right, I look forward to seeing it, bro. It's been a pleasure talking 100%. to you, man. If you wanna shout out anybody any of your friends any any other projects you're getting into feel free no well i just wanted to say like i really like um that you guys do this podcast i think it's really like cool and important to record just like voices and stories and shit of people um so i really appreciate it and i really appreciate you having me on too yo thank you thank you man we appreciate you dude yeah we appreciate you and anybody else who's come on anybody who listens anybody we're just trying to improve and and have like a good have a good like compilation of a ton of people who are dope maybe they're not necessarily in the same scene like Mm -hmm. you know we've had a lot of graph writers on but we're very open to doing other shit as long as we think it's dope Mm -hmm. and the person's not a sherm head then you know what i mean (laughs) we're with it yeah i think that's really sick dude and i love listening to to the show and everything do you have one that you particularly liked just from my mind i want to hear it shit i mean like the rd one (laughs) they they like the rd one a lot yeah but like i mean I, i like uh like my favorite ones are just like I like hearing like all the graph stories and everything like mm-hmm. people that came up in like the time that most people idolize sort of yeah. it's like cool to just hear about that stuff 100%. you don't really get a chance to like hear about it that much so yeah and you don't get a chance to you might not even know what the fucking person's voice sounds mm-hmm. like yeah and they're about to go in for an hour plus yeah dude that's you what's know? amazing about the podcast like if they never have a voice and no one hears it, they just die with all those, all those stories, all that, you know, yeah, that the, whole person just goes away. And like the people they're talking about too, because a lot mm. of dudes are like, they're saying names of people. They're like, you're not going to, you know, no one knows who this yeah. is and they're just saying. And so it's like those people too, all that shit would be lost. Yeah. And yeah, that's like how everything stays alive. And like, I don't mm. know. Well, it's, you're going to really enjoy, I think you're going to really enjoy the Send 4 mm. one we just did. Cool. Super dope dude. Yeah. Obviously everybody's seen a shit like yeah. Fire Hydrant god legend Dude, buddha jesus <laughs> he's a man he was really cool and yeah man yo thank you so much bro yeah, i really appreciate you. it yeah sick. peace